Good morning, church. And if you're watching on the stream, hi to you as well. It's great to be able to worship together in the name of Jesus and to look at this particularly um, wonderful passage which uh, gives us a glimpse of a life of faith and, and what it should be like. And uh, as, as we look at this passage, we're going to take a particular focus. Can't look at it all. There's so much here, isn't there? But if you've got your Bibles open at Hebrews 11, leave them there. I think the text may well be on the screen as well. Now, a few years ago, uh, Jenny and I went on a walking holiday to the island of Madeira. And uh, Madeira is a massive volcanic island that um, comes straight out of the water, uh, straight out of the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, hardly any beaches, incredibly deep water all around the island. And it's got an amazing irrigation system of, of little channels of water that come from the mountains and go around in various circuitous routes uh, down onto the plains below. And uh, these little streams are called levadas. And by each levada, with the little stream, the irrigation stream, there's a pathway, maybe about a metre wide, which is plenty wide enough, you'd think. And uh, so Jenny and I were trundling along one of these levadas, uh, way up in the mountains, and we turned a corner, and ahead of us was a big gate saying that uh, the pathway was closed for repair. We couldn't go any further. And uh, so we'd have to retrace our steps. And up until that point in time, I'd been head down and, and watching the, the route ahead, going round the corners, but I turned round and there was this long path we had come down. And on one side, it was precipitous drop down the mountains into the water. And I had a real attack of vertigo. And I was totally frozen. And it was with greatest difficulty that I walked along this fairly wide path uh, to get to what seemed to be a position of safety. And sometimes it seems like our faith freezes and we stop. Sometimes our faith seems fickle. We change our minds backwards and forwards. Sometimes our faith seems very fragile and uh, we think it's all hanging by a thread. And sometimes even our faith seems fractured, broken, and we don't know what to do with it. And maybe we end up, although we accept the words and we believe the truths of the gospel, uh, we, we end up as functional atheists and we don't trust God anymore. And, and we go our own way. Maybe many of you can understand and identify with that experience. But it's that fickleness of faith, a frozen faith, that I want us to focus upon this morning, uh, which seems a bit curious when we look at this enormous roll call of faithful believers in God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we reflect upon our own faith journey, wherever we are, whatever stage we're at on that, whether uh, it's all pretty vague to us or whether we've been walking this pathway for a long, long time. You know that sometimes our vulnerability hits us 
our frailty hits us. Sometimes we don't know where to go and what to do with our faith. And so we pray that you will bless us and minister to us this morning by your Holy Spirit. Amen. We're in the season of Advent and uh, one of the wonderful songs in, in, in the Christian liturgy and in the Bible is the song of Zechariah, which comes in um, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Uh, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And it goes on to show that he has come to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And this is the really big bit, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Why are we saved? Why does God save? In order to get us to heaven? Well, that, that's, part of the, that's part of the blessing. But we are saved to serve, that we might serve him in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life. And when we think of uh, this roll call of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, we, we tend to read through this and think, wow, if only I could have a faith like that. If only I could do what they did. But uh, God carried Abraham and Sarah through their fragile times, and us too. Now, if Brexit has impacted Britain profoundly and COVID and climate change are altering our perception of the world and our responsibilities, these are life changes for the whole earth, aren't they? And Zachariah's song reminds us that we are saved to serve and God deals with us. Jesus told endless stories about a master, a king, a ruler who went away to do stuff and left the responsibility with his servants and how they fell far short in what they did. And he was teaching a pointed lesson, okay, about Israel and Israel's lack of responsibility for the job God had given them to do. But it's a word for the church of every age, the Old Testament church, the church today. It is a word for us. We are saved to serve. And we'll see that these people had feet of clay. And yet if you look at verse 16, we have this wonderful accolade, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. He's not ashamed to be called their God. They took many missteps. Their faith went up and down and round and round, but he is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared a city for them. And he is not ashamed to be called your God, to be called my God, to be called our God. And he has prepared a city for us. And uh, it's very interesting, this mention of a city, the kind of pilgrim journey these people were on, looking for permanence through transition and going on from age to age. And God prepared a city for them. But if you turn over to chapter 12 and verse 22, um, you have come to Mount Zion, you have come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come, you are there. Heaven and earth have come together in the incarnation. 
in the crucifixion and resurrection, in the life of Jesus, in his ascension, he reigns, he has brought heaven and earth together and the interface between heaven and earth is very thin. And there's a sense in that even here this morning as we worship God in spirit and in truth, it's with one foot in heaven and one foot upon earth. And one day when Jesus returns, then our work with him as the redeemed people of God uh, will take on uh, a new significance, a new meaning. But meantime, we are saved to serve in the here and now and to bring in God's kingdom in every strata of society, not as the church has tragically done in the past through military power or conquest or forcing people to believe certain things, but through the matchless, marvelous grace of God in our Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit as he infuses our lives and energizes our faith and we can do amazing things in the power that God wills us, not for us, but for him to be faithful servants. And we get that accolade, well done, good and faithful servants. I'm not ashamed to be your God, for you, despite all your faults and failures and problems, are my people, the people of my heritage, and I love you. So the same promise that was given then is given to us today. Revelation 21 speaks of a new heavens and a new earth and a new Jerusalem coming down. And, and by golly, we're there, whether with Jesus because we've died and we're with the Lord, or whether in the future. And so we have a work to do. And these heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 have a work to do. And God was delighted with their commitments. And let's just have a look at uh, Sarah and Abraham very, very briefly. What can we learn about faith from them? We do learn that they had feet of clay, as did many of those faithful servants of God's word. We too, of course, have feet of clay, and that worries us sometimes, and we think, my faith's not big enough, I'm not honest enough, I'm not faithful enough, uh, I'm, I'm not obedient enough, if God can't use me, and we sit down in a corner and we mope about it, or we give it all up, we freeze. We perhaps put it away in the freezer. Well, if you've done that with your faith, now is the time to get it out of the freezer, put it in the fridge to defrost, and use it in the name of Jesus. And so as you go through uh, this little glimpse of the life of Sarah and Abraham, uh, by faith, verse 8, Abraham uh, called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance. He obeyed and went. Great faith. Even though he didn't know where he was going. And sometimes it's like that for us, isn't it? And we don't know where the next step is going to be, as Addison proved a little bit earlier on. And uh, it seems like the blind leading the blind, but it's not because we trust the one who leads us out into the unknown. And I had a similar experience to Addison years ago when I went to a little chapel in the country um, for, for the service, uh, and, the, and the, uh, the minister was there, and after the service, absolute pitch blackness outside, no lights anywhere. I didn't have a clue where I was, and he said, hold my hand, and I held his hand, and he strode boldly off into the darkness. And I went with him, for I trusted in him. And I knew that he knew the way to go. And so, in Abraham's case, of course, uh, he, he left um, the coldies uh, and, and uh, sort of uh, 
Iraq, Iran, way, way down there, and he went on this huge fertile crescent uh, following the river Euphrates to get round uh, into uh, what we now call Palestine, Israel, that, that, that area. But he only got halfway. He stopped at Haran. God had told him to go to the land of promise, but he stopped at a halfway house. And again, that is often our experience as believers, isn't it? That we set out to do God's will, to go God's way, and something or other stops us going on. And we know, maybe wistfully, that we should have gone a bit further. We're not right where we are at, but hey-ho, God can use us where we are. Let's hold on to it. And indeed, we learned from Scripture that... Um, and, and this is from Stephen's uh, testimony before he was murdered as the first Christian martyr, Acts 7. And he said, well, yeah, you know, God called Abraham to go to this land, but Abraham stopped at Haran, halfway there. And uh, if you feel right now you're, you're at a halfway house with God, okay, don't say, I'm a failure, I haven't made it, God will write me off because I haven't done everything I ought to do. Just say, hey, God, I'm here. Now, give me the nudge I need to go where I know, where I believe you want me to be. Of course, I'm not speaking geographically in particular, but in any way at all, God wants us to go. And Abraham was called and he went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And uh, by faith, verse 9, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a strange country, a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob. And uh, I don't know, what, what you, uh, have you been camping? Maybe um, you've been glamping, posh camping. Have you been champing? This is something you can do in the Lake District. You can go and have B&B &B sleeping in a church chancel. <laughs> They've opened the churches, and you can go there, and they'll have a little camp bed for you, and, and you, can, uh, you can be there, and they'll somehow or other provide a breakfast to you in the morning, and then you go on your way, champing. And uh, there's a sense in which we know if we do any of these things, they are temporary, they're not permanent. But imagine the frustration for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're in the land promised, but they cannot have it. What's going on? There are more journeys in the adventure of faith before them. They don't realize it at the time. And sometimes we feel we may be in a temporary situation and we think, well, it's no use putting down roots. It's no use doing this, doing that, doing the other. It's no use getting involved in a church or anything like that because I'm not meant to be here all the time. I'm waiting to go somewhere else. It's where we are, where God has placed us. This is where we are called to serve. And uh, one of the problems is that as we are strangers in a strange land, and uh, remember, they were living amongst people who, who didn't acknowledge their God. They were faced with all the, the pressures of the cultural norms. And how do you survive like that? How did the readers of the book of Hebrews survive in a hostile Roman empire against the pressures of the pagan world? And this is why the letter was written, to encourage and strengthen them. It's full of warnings, but it's full of the grace of God and confidence in God, trust in him, walk with him. And so instead of putting roots for nourishment into the society around them, they put their roots for nourishment deep down into the promise of God because they believed he was faithful.
You know, if we feel cracks in our faith, and I think often we do, um, and, and, it, and it can get very, very difficult, then we need to remind ourselves of this, this great statement in verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. They were looking for another country. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not interested in the earth. God has called us to serve him as his students in this place, in this earth, in this community. God has a work for us to do. And that is why we are called, why we are chosen, whilst we're going on with the Lord. And uh, there's a, an oft-quoted poem by Leonard Cohen um, called Anthem, uh, which has the, the, the couplet, there is a crack, a crack in everything, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And through the cracks in our faith, the light of God's purpose, the light of God's love, the light of God's truth seeps in and strengthens and invigorates and equips and repairs so that we can go on. And then, of course, there's Sarah. And if, you, um, if you've got a, our reading was from the older edition of the New International Version, uh, the new edition probably has as a footnote that uh, the statement in verse 11 can refer even to Abraham or Sarah. Uh, in my version, it's a 2011 version of the NIV. It says this, verse 11, and by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And if you read the story of Sarah back in, back in Genesis uh, 18 and 21, uh, you can see that... Uh, uh, the Lord visited Abraham and told him he, in his great old age, uh, he was going to have a child. And through that child, the promises of God to him that the whole earth would be blessed would come true. And uh, Sarah overhears this and she laughs cynically and says, huh, look, I'm 90 plus, I'm going to have a baby. Uh, go, go figure. And God says, why, why, why did you laugh? I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. And sometimes we laugh, if not cynically, then defeatedly at what it seems God is telling us to do. God is leading us to be. And we think, I can never be that. I can never do that. But God fulfilled his promise to Sarah. And uh, her cynical laugh was, laughed in, was transformed into a laugh of joy and fulfillment when, when Isaac was born. She tried to force God's hand by getting Abraham to sleep with her Egyptian maid, Hagar, and have a son. But then I suppose, in one sense, she was getting back at him, because if you go back earlier in the story, it's almost as though Abraham pimped her out in Egypt by pretending she was his sister and so sexually available to, to other people because he was scared of what happened, because he wanted to achieve power and influence with others. Heroes have feet of clay. Heroes of faith have feet of clay. So are you weak in faith? God is not ashamed to be your God. As we persist in remembering God's mercy in Jesus, we look to him. And of course, you will know Hebrews chapter 12, the very next 
chapter, the very beginning of it, tells us to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Not upon the heroes of faith who are surrounding us and cheering us on, but to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And that is what we have to do. It makes sense as we persist in remembering God's mercy to us. And as we persist in looking to Jesus, come what may, no matter how we feel, you may feel the worst of sinners. The apostle Paul did. The chief of sinners I am. But he stayed close to Jesus and he did the work to which he was called. And Jesus, of course, said, didn't he, that a faith like, faith like a grain of mustard seed is all it takes. So be encouraged. God was not ashamed to be called their God. These heroes of faith made many a slip and they faltered. But God was not ashamed of them. They are in this roll call of faith because they came through in the end. God was not ashamed to be their God despite our fragile, frozen and fearful faith. He's not ashamed to be our God either. What's the secret? Is there some kind of magic, something or other? Not magic, certainly not. But look at something Sarah said. Consider, she considered him faithful who had made the promise. After her laughter, she waited and trusted and she considered him faithful who made the promise that she would bear a child uh, through Abraham. Abraham considered the one who is faithful. You see, this roll call of faith really is not about the faith of these heroes of old. It's about the faithfulness of God to his covenant promises that have their focus, their yes and their amen in Jesus. Consider him faithful who has made the promise to you. Jesus declared to his disciples, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, come what may, let's be encouraged. Shaky, flaky, fearful, frozen faith, yeah. But God remains faithful. He will pick us up and we will go on as he calls and leads. Or will we? That is up to us individually in our own personal lives. It is up to us as a community of faith. Do we go on? to fulfill God's purposes for us in this place where he has placed us here and now. Lord, you know us. You sort us out. You deal with us. You know some of us are very frail and weak in our trust and in our faith. But we come to you for forgiveness, for healing, for strengthening. And as we share in Holy Communion in a few moments, then we know that you are very present with us in an immensely powerful and loving and merciful way. Thank you, Lord. Amen.